Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leader Manager Coach Rob Riles here and I'm pleased to be uh, with you again to share some information that I'm absolutely positive can have an impact on your life in, in your leadership role, your coaching role, your management role, whatever that is. And today I want to share with you something that was triggered because over in South Africa, I have some family members. I have a sister whom I love dearly and I don't get to see very often and her wonderful family. And my sister's daughter is a very, very, very good swimmer. And she swims internationally. She swims for her country, South Africa. And she recently competed in a big event and won eight medals. And here we are in the UK sitting over here and we're all waiting for news to see how she's got on. And we find out that she's won eight medals. Well, this is a young lady who's up at five o'clock in the morning and she's swimming six days a week and she puts the hours in in the pool and she's got a coach that is tough on her and parents that travel around with her and make lots and lots of commitments and sacrifices. So as you can imagine, we're all over the moon about this and we're really happy. And the message that came back from my sister is, you know, your your niece has won, won these medals, but her coach isn't happy. <laughs> thought, oh, sounds a little bit like me. And the reason he's not happy is because she didn't swim very well. So she's won eight medals, but she didn't really swim very well. So the coach isn't happy. Now, some people may look at that and say, do you know what? Some people just need to get a life because there's a young lady who's gone out and she's done her best and she's come away and she's had a victory. You know, it's we should all celebrate our, our victories and she's won eight medals. And I'm sure inside he congratulated her and was really pleased and all the rest of it. But I know exactly where he's coming from. And some of you will know exactly where she's coming from. Because there's a little phrase that somebody once said to me that sometimes or even often... We lose when we win, and we win when we lose. What does that mean? We lose when we win, and we win when we lose. So there you are with your athlete, your team, your business, and you've had a result. You've got positive result. Something's happened really good. But actually, when you analyze it in your gut, you know that you and your team haven't performed as well as you should. You haven't hit your targets. You haven't performed well. It hasn't looked good. But actually, you've come out on top. And yes, you know, we should all accept that that's life. And victories don't always come along very often, do they? So we need to celebrate that. But actually, the internal mechanism, the internal goal-setting mechanism, the thing inside you where you set your own meaningful goals is telling you that actually the reality is 
that you can do better next time. And that's what the coach is, is saying. Because the young lady's won, but actually, according to the coach, she's lost. And I know exactly what he's saying. And I'm sure many of you do too. And sometimes we win when we lose. You know, you go out there and you pitch yourself. You pit yourself against the opposition. Boxing match, football match, cricket match, rugby match, athletics, business meeting, whatever it may be. And you don't get the result that you desire. But actually, you perform better than you've ever done before. And you can put your head on the pillow at night time and say, do you know what? I've done everything I can today. So therefore, for me, you've won. Because you cannot do any more than that. You may not have got the medal, but who cares about medals anyway? But you've actually won. So that, I think that's what that means. And I'm sure you've got your own little take on it. But um, And that takes me back to one of the four agreements in a, in a previous podcast. I was talking about that amazing little book, The Four Agreements. And um, one of the things that's talked about in that book is always do your best. And you know, that's all we can do. So yeah, sometimes we win when we lose and lose when we win. Another thing I just want to chat to you is about um, a game. We had a a game with a team, a coach, and we played, our team played the the very best football that they could. And we really did win when we won because we won the game and we won in terms of how we played. I was really pleased and so was the other coach. And we did actually concede. So we conceded a goal and... The temptation was to focus on, do you know what? Yes, we've won, but wouldn't it have been be nice if we'd kept a clean sheet? So I was kind of focusing on the negative. And the reality of the situation is that because of the level of football that I'm currently working at, what's most important is, is individual player development. The fact that we win games is, is essentially irrelevant. Um, doesn't bother me. Couldn't give a monkeys, to be honest. What's important to me is player development. And we changed the formation in order to allow players to play in certain positions. And I think, and it's only what I think, we conceded a goal because of that. And it would have been very easy to think, do you know what? Why didn't we just keep the formation the same, keep it strong, keep the team the way it was? And we, maybe we wouldn't have conceded and that would have been an even more perfect day. You know, but that's not the whole point, is it? You know, we are in a in a developmental setting, a developmental organisation, and the focus should be on development, and and the results are secondary. So it's easy sometimes to get things out of kilter and lose your focus on what it is that's really important. Having said that, the other thing that I'd like to just mention, in, in especially in sport, is it's really important to celebrate your victories because they don't come along all the time. I mean. I think it's been about 12 months since a team I've coached has had such a, an amazing amount of carryover from training sessions into a game as occurred recently. And that was so, so pleasing. And some of you coaches will really understand that. That's why we do it. Because everything we did in training, the sessions, the stoppages, the advice, the input, the positional play that we did, it all came out in the game and it was so, so pleasing and it, and it gave us coaches such a great feeling and you will totally understand that that is what coaching often is all about, is getting your picture over to your players and seeing them excel at that picture and create what it is that you've attempted to put into their heads, if you like. 
And it's really important to celebrate those victories because they don't come along very often. There's a little but as well, but because the opposite thing of that, or the, the next thing of that is that you can't afford to celebrate your victories for too long. There's a great coach and a lovely, lovely man who has become a great friend of mine called Kenny Swain, and I hope Kenny doesn't mind me mentioning him, who was a very, very successful player, professional player, and was also an extremely effective coach with young players. Really, really good. And Kenny was always educating his players on moving on to the next game. You know, yes, well done, pat on the back, give yourself time to, to settle down. You've won the game. Let's analyse it. Let's review it. What did we do well? What did, what could we have done better? Next. You know, get back into your ritual, go to bed early, get your recovery, and then we're on to the next game. Now, that's a great lesson. It's a great lesson in life. Because how many teams and how many players get carried away and can never or don't quite get themselves back up for the following fixture. You know, what do they say? It's it's harder to stay at the top than it is to get there. And I think that's what that's alluding to because it's that continuum that you have to keep yourself on, isn't it? The other thing that I, that's hit me this week from doing a little bit of, it's a little bit of personal thing as well, is that my big thing at the moment, and it's probably been my big thing or one of the big things in coaching, in football, with young players, is technique. And I read an article on Matt Whitehouse's website, a real good website. If you are into your football coaching and you want to have insight into somebody, somebody's brain who understands the game and has got a great take on young players, and have a look at uh, the Whitehouse blog. The White House Address, I think it's called. It's called The White House Address. There's a blog on there and it's written by Matt Whitehouse and he put some real extensive stuff on there. One of the things he talked about in a recent article was the necessity and his belief in the necessity to focus on young players developing technique. And I couldn't agree more with him because we see so many players who haven't mastered individual techniques of play so when you put them in a game how can you expect them to play proficiently and efficiently when they will have an anxiety level that's going through the roof because they haven't subconsciously mastered certain basic techniques i strongly believe and i'd I'd love to know what your belief is and you know i really would and i'd love to know how you how you think about this kind of thing and how you deal with this kind of thing in your environment but for me you have to master techniques before you can show mastery within a game situation because if you can't do it without pressure you're never going to be able to do it under pressure and the only way to do it for me is repetition 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 and on 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 on that plateau that plateau that plateau that plateau until 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 and the only way that can occur is practice and practice again and practice again and practice again. It cannot occur just playing games. And sometimes I think, and in organisations that I've been involved in, that we focus far too much on games, 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 games. And maybe looking at a bigger picture, that's what's occurred and that's been a challenge for the English game compared to the European game or the South American game, if you like, in terms of the calibre of players. I'm not sure, but maybe that's been 
something where we need to focus more on technique. We certainly need to get that balance right. So the last thing I wanted to talk about to you is another book. You know, as I do lots of reading and um, another great book. I first listened to this on an Audible, um, it's an audio book by Audible. And I was so impressed with it and bought into the idea so much that I bought the book. And I'm not quite finished the book yet. I hold my hand up and say I haven't quite finished it, but I'm working my way through it and I'm taking my time. It's called Deep Work, The Rules for Focused Success in a Distracted World. It's by Cal Newport. It's recently published and it's a phenomenal book. It is absolutely phenomenal. It basically talks about how we need to focus in order to succeed and how almost the 21st century is set up against us with all the information that we've got going on is almost a challenge to this deep work it's a challenge to the mastery process isn't it because if you refer back to a recent podcast i did when we talked about the mastery process and how that required focus this is on a very similar vein and he talks about how success will only be achieved when people focus and do what he calls deep work. So he, he's talking about immersing yourself, getting your athletes, your players, your, your employees, you know, whoever it is, your, your teammates to immerse themselves in a fully focused way on the task at hand that minuscule little tiny task at hand. So let's have an example. Let's talk about zonal marking. So zonal marking for wide free kicks against. Now, if you expect your team after one 10-minute session to be able to zonally mark successfully from a wide free kick, get set up within... 15 seconds or 10 seconds and understand their positions and then retain that and take it on for the next 20 games, I think you're probably missing the mark. In my opinion, it needs practice, practice, practice so that it goes in on a subconscious level. Everybody automatically knows where they're standing and can adjust and has a grasp of, of position and, and it feels right and it not and it looks right from the side. So that is just an example. And it might not be zonal marking. It could be absolutely anything. It can be penalty taking. It can be anything at all in life. It doesn't have to be related to to football, obviously. But it's that deep work and that focus that gives people that total understanding globally so that it just happens quickly and automatically. And it takes focus because if you as a manager or a leader or a coach are directing that, you couldn't do that if you'd got players who were talking, if you got players who weren't focusing, or you got people on mobile phones or talking to agents or not concentrating on what needs to be done and how they need to stand, how they need to move how they need to adjust, etc., etc., etc. It needs complete focus and it needs repetition. Which kind of leads us on to social media, really, because in this book, he talks an awful lot, Cal, Cal, Cal Newport talks an awful lot about social media. And what I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to bang on about the challenge of social media and the challenge of technology and the challenge of 
electronic communication. But it is a challenge. And I kind of look at it like the technology makes a great servant, but a terrible master. And it's like that because if you you say, right, do you know what? This is driving me mad. I can't focus. It's interrupting me all the time. It's not working for me. I can't focus. I'll never get any work done. And you throw all your technology away. That's the old throwing the baby out with the bathwater, isn't it? So it's about managing it. It's about you being the boss, the leader, making decisions and implementing strategies so that it serves you and you don't serve it. Because if you don't do that, you will serve it. Because I can recognize that in my own life. Um, I, I, I'm kind of gone so far down the other track, really. Um, I find it quite strange that at this point I'm doing a podcast, which is having some influence on social media. And I've been taught and advised and, and been shown how to use social media to, to share messages. And it's been a massive learning curve for me. And it's not something I've been really comfortable with at all. Uh, you ask my family about that. They think I'm a dinosaur. And this is my nature. And that's where I've come from. So yes, I'm learning to use it, but it can be an absolute killer if you're, if you're not careful. You know, your phone can beep all the time and it can control you. And you would be absolutely surprised if you probably added up the amount of times you look at your telephone in a day or the anxiety you get if you can't find your phone. Or if your phone breaks, get a teenager to have their phone broken and see how stressed they are. So in, in essence, that phone is controlling that person and it will be preventing them from focusing. There's about three or four other things I'm going to share with you from this book. And I'm going to give you real key bullet points so you can start to implement things that will enable you to do, to do deep work. Number one, do you spend time being busy or are you productive? So if you go to the library to do six hours study, how many hours out of that six do you actually create productive work? You may well find that actually you do 60 minutes work in six hours because you're distracted, you speak to people, you check your emails, you get on a on an internet search which takes you away. And what about having a little strategy whereby you have an hour, or if you're really into it, 90 minutes, where you say, right, for the next 90 minutes, and you may want to start with 20 minutes, or you may want to start with 45, I'm going to focus solely. And you find an environment where you can sit down and focus, no phone, no internet, no email, and just do something and do it as, I'll mention this guy again because he talks about this all the time, just do it and no matter how badly, just do it because a bad piece of work is 10, 20, 100 times better than no work at all and that bad piece will turn into a great piece. So it's just learning to be productive, not busy. Number two, rituals. Rituals will help you create these time blocks and will help you to focus and will help you to automatically do the things you need to do to get a result. So it might be that your ritual is, okay, you know, you've got to do something today. You get to work, you get to your environment, you say hi to whoever you need to say hi to. You go in, maybe you make a cup of tea, you make a cup of coffee And you then sit down and you check your email and you give yourself 10 minutes to check your email if there's anything urgent to do. This is just an example, by the way. I think you should leave your emails, but there we go. It depends on what kind of environment you're in. And you do that 
and then you switch your computer down or you or you close it, whatever you do, or you move to a different environment where there isn't a computer to distract you and you leave your phone there or it's on silent and it's off and it can't distract you and you go and you do, it might be 30 minutes and then you say to yourself, right, after 30 minutes, I'm going to get up. I'm going to have a 15 minute break. And you go and chat to whoever you want to chat or you go out and have a walk or you go and back to your emails and do your emails. And then you may say, right, I'm going to now go and do another task and that task is another 30 minutes and I'm going to focus on that task. So you break your day up with this ritual into these little 30 minute breaks, little 30 minute blocks with breaks. And then you say, right, I'm going to have another drink. And then you move on to the next one. And little rituals like that, I can virtually guarantee will help you increase your productivity and your focus. Number three, environment. You know, if you're sitting there in an environment where there's computers in front of you, there's messages flashing up, there's beeps going off on your phone, there's people talking to you, there's people asking you to answer phone calls, it is a virtual impossibility to do what you need to do. So you need to do that mastery thing again of controlling your environment as far as you possibly can so that you enable your brain to do what it can do, which is phenomenal, phenomenally powerful work and focus to create what it is you need to create and focus on what it is you need to do to get those results. So take time, and it might take you a day, a couple of days. You might even have to say to your boss, you know, can I work from home or can I go to this environment to work? But set up your environment, put headphones on, whatever it is you need to do to set your environment up to create that success and the internet really really look number four the internet really look at how you can control your internet usage so that you stay focused on what it is you need to stay focused on it is so so easy to get distracted taking on another path it's interesting it might be related to what you're doing but in an hour's time do you want to have xyz done or do you want to have half x done but have learned about something else that's a choice you're going to have to make. But I think if you can set your targets at the beginning of the day, say, right, at the end of the day, I'm going to have X, Y, Z done. And at the end of that day, you get X, Y, Z done. You're going to feel a lot better about life than you are if you've got X done, but actually you've learned about A and B. Now, it may be that that A and B turns out to be a life-changing thing. And I'm not going to, you know, but you get the point. You get the point. So in summary, make sure it's productivity not busy make sure you get some rituals in place so that you can just make it automatic and it makes it easy to get into that work state make sure you can control your environment or you have an ability to change your environment or, or go to an environment that's that's proactive and facilitates what it is you want to do number four control your internet use or control the internet so it doesn't take you away from what it is you need to do it's a great book. It's a great read. If you haven't got time to, to sit down and read it, have a look on, on uh, Audible. Um, you'll thoroughly enjoy it. It's really, really good. And um, I'll leave that with you. So some great takeaways. Hope they can uh, make a difference in your work life. Thanks for listening. Do appreciate it. And Rob, I'll sign off and I'll catch you later.